The New Testament reading is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. You can find this in your Bibles on pages 1061 till 1062. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, he replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with this, with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them, assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. The text from the Bible for today's sermon is taken from the Gospel of John. Chapter 6, it is just one sentence. You also have it in the bulletin. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. Dear sisters and brothers, 
the background of this promise of Jesus is the feeding of the 5,000. People were excited and impressed by the words, by the wonders and signs of hope they experienced with this man. And they exclaimed, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. But Jesus is trying to make them aware of the deeper meaning of who he was and what he had done. Do not work for the food that will perish, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Yes, we need the daily bread and we are praying for the daily bread, but we all know that we do not live on bread alone. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. For a better understanding of this saying of Jesus, we have to go back to the event of the resurrection. The resurrection... These were indeed exciting, terrific news. Hard to believe he was alive. It was maybe at the first glance more a shock than just good news for the disciples. He has risen from dead. He, from the dead, he was back among them. We have to keep in mind that they were all deeply disappointed and totally embarrassed men and women who had followed him. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. In these words of the two disciples on the way to Emmaus, we realize both the great hope and the deep disappointment of what they had experienced with Jesus. They had left everything to follow him. They were witnessing his wonders, the healings, the words of power and wisdom. They were experiencing a new community of believers shaped by his love. Some of his disciples were skeptical and turned away. They had the freedom to stay or to go. When Jesus asked the twelve disciples, do you also want to go away? Peter answered, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And then the sudden end, the disaster, the crucifixion, brought to death like a criminal. All the hope had gone. No future. It didn't make any sense. Was it just a dream that had turned into a nightmare? Once again, injustice was overcoming justice. Darkness was stronger than light. Despair was breaking hope. What should they do? Go back to the normal life, back to Emmaus, to Galilee, 
where they came from, to their villages, their families, their job, it had all been in vain. Have we experienced similar situations? Moments of despair, times of darkness, disappointments, mobbing at work, a broken marriage, depression. We had hoped to enjoy our retirement and then the husband died unexpectedly. Or we just lose the hope for this world, for peace in the Middle East. We do not see this, the love of God for his broken world. Where are the signs of hope? It was into this darkness that the exciting news of the risen Lord was breaking through. A light in the darkness, a sign of hope. But was it true? No, fake news, Thomas said. One of the twelve disciples, he was told by the others, we have seen the Lord, but he couldn't believe. Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his sight, I will not believe. I can understand, Thomas. I might have reacted the same way. I don't easily believe what I cannot see or experience myself or what I'm not able to understand. There is so much fake news at all times and today even more. And sometimes it is wise to be skeptical. The challenge is, whom can we trust? For we cannot live without friends and relatives whom we can trust. Even in daily life, when we take the bus or the train or the airplane, we trust the driver or the captain to do his or her best to guide us safely. By the way, it's interesting to notice that the two disciples on the way to Emmaus had heard the good news of Jesus being alive. Moreover, we have heard some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning and when they did not find the, his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. But the man didn't believe the women. The women were the first witnesses of the risen Lord. But they were not taken seriously. And that hasn't changed much in our day, don't you agree? It is important for men to listen to the voice of women, not only in the field of social life, in families and church communities, but also in economics and politics. I'm sure we would have less conflicts and wars if men would consult with women before taking up arms. But let us go back to the resurrection. We can observe three results or three fruits of the resurrection. First, the resurrection tells us it made sense. The suffering made sense. 
Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into glory? Jesus himself tried to explain to the two disciples about the deeper meaning of the suffering and the crucifixion. Second, the resurrection brings us from sadness to joy. We have heard in the New Testament reading about the deep disappointment of the two disciples. They stood still looking sad. But then after having realized that it was actually Jesus himself walking with them, talking to them, breaking the bread with them, their joy was back. That same hour, we read, they got back, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They had to share the good news and go back to their friends, sisters and brothers of the first Christian community. And third, the resurrection of Jesus makes us to look forward. After the crucifixion, the disciples were looking back. We had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Whenever we are sad, disappointed, in despair, we are looking back. So did the disciples. But having met the risen Lord, they were looking forward again. They were open for a new future. It made sense. From sadness to joy, looking forward again. A few weeks ago, I met a lady about 80 years of age. We were hiking in a small group, and while hiking, you can easily talk and get to know one another. She is a widow. I asked her about her husband, and she told me the story of his passing away. He was my age, 68, when he realized that something was wrong with his body. He went to the doctor and got the bad news that he had cancer, leukemia. He would maybe have to lift another two weeks, unless he would agree to a severe treatment, which surely would extend his life for at least a few months. We can easily understand that the following weekend was a difficult one, full of tears, mourning, prayers, and with a difficult decision to make. They finally agreed not to do the treatment, but to prepare for the, his passing away. Spring came. The nature was awaking. Flowers were blooming. Several weeks had passed and he was still alive and felt fairly well. One day, sitting on the balcony, he told his wife, how wonderful it would be to experience another last summer with her and their children and grandchildren. And indeed, he was granted this wish. It was finally in December that he passed away in peace. You know, said the widow, it was only after this, his death that I realized that he had lived exactly another nine months like a pregnancy. He was preparing for the next life to come. 
Is that the story of resurrection? Yes and no. No, because he didn't survive. He didn't recover or rise to life again. And yes, it is a story of resurrection. It shows the three fruits or the results of the resurrection. You remember, it made sense from sadness to joy. It makes us look forward. The lady told me she would never want to miss these nine months of light, of deep sharing and preparing for the next life. The illness, even the suffering, made sense. It brought fruits for both of them. Second, what remained was not sadness but joy. Of course, there were times of sorrow and mourning, but what remained was a great gratitude for the common years. And third, when I met this woman, I saw a face of wisdom and kindness open to the future, looking forward to meeting new people and having new experiences. These are the fruits and the power of the resurrection. And very interesting for me is the image of the pregnancy. It is another symbol for the resurrection. Peter, in his speech at Pentecost, is using this image for the resurrection. He is talking about Jesus of Nazareth and saying, God raised him up, having freed him from the labor pains of death. This is at least the correct translation from the Greek New Testament. In other words, the resurrection can be seen as the new birth the life of Jesus as a pregnancy, his suffering at the cross as the labor pains that gave birth to a new life, an eternal life, a new beginning. The same image we can find in Romans 8.22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves groan inwardly while we wait for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies, for in hope we were saved. The image of pregnancy is an image of comfort and hope. The pains we experience in special moments are in fact like labor pains, giving birth to a new life, a new future, New possibilities. Let's go back to the beginning, to the verse from the Gospel of John. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. Thomas, as we know, didn't believe. Unless he himself would meet the risen Lord. And he was given the chance to be convinced. When he was with the other disciples, a week later, Jesus came through the closed door, greeting them by saying, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your hand here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my sight. Do not doubt, but believe. 
And Thomas answered, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This is maybe the shortest confession and a wonderful one. My Lord and my God. One doesn't need to say more and Thomas obviously was not able to say more. He had experienced the power of the resurrection. And he had experienced the love of Jesus and his peace. Peace be with you. We today do not belong to the very first generation of witnesses of the resurrection. We do not have the possibility of meeting Jesus like Thomas did. We are to believe. But that's not a disadvantage and shouldn't be a problem for us. For Jesus tells us, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. And the reason is a simple one. We too can experience the presence of Jesus. Jesus to be among us, as he has promised, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. And the last sentence of the Gospel of Matthew is the word of the risen Lord to all generations and to all of us. Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I would like to finish with a prayer of a friend who had attended the Conference on World Mission and Evangelism in Tanzania in March this year, a conference organized by the World Council of Churches. My friend, the pastor, was summarizing his experience in this prayer. Jesus, risen Lord, I have met you in prayer and in the fellowship of your people gathered here. I have heard your voice in the sharing of the scripture, you who are the word. I have seen your face of sorrow in the cries of the most helpless sisters and brothers living on the fringes of society. You have been teaching me by the wisdom and the experience of pastors and teachers from various confessions and different cultures. You have widened my vision of your body which unites us in diversity. You have restored my hope that one day we all may unite around your table to be nourished by the one bread of life and to be strengthened by drinking from the one cup. For the glory of God, the radiation of your gospel and the salvation of the world. Amen.